situations. Lord, that you know all things. Nothing's a, nothing's a surprise to you. Nothing's a secret to you, Lord. You are the head and not the tail, Lord. You are the beginning. You're the alpha and you're the omega. The beginning and the end, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for your great love for us, Father. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that empowers us, Father, in our spirit, man. Lord, we walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Lord, we see with eyes of the spirit that we can see the, the mind of Christ. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. No matter what happens in the natural, Father, you got it all, all under your feet, under your control in the spirit. And we lift up the name of Jesus right now. And we thank you, Father, for the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Ask for your presence, Lord. For it's in your presence that we belong. You know, it's an amazing thing when you understand that, the, you know, what at the end of the day, the chief end of man is to worship God and to enjoy God. And that's the summary of all of us, to worship God and to enjoy God. See, to, to walk with God is not to be endured, it's to be enjoyed. And where our relationship with the Father, we have to understand that we just don't serve him as a, as a slave, but we serve him as sons and daughters. We have a sonship with a servant heart. We serve the master um, according to not what we sh not according to the law, but according to the spirit. And uh, he loves us, and he pours out his spirit on us. And when we fall short, his arm is never too short to pick us up. So I thank him for his grace and mercy. Lord, I pray a blessing over everyone listening, whether it's on Zoom or online, Father whether it's now or next week, but Lord, that your word will penetrate the heart of every person, that you would ignite our spirit, man, that we are children of the spirit. You know, one of the things is that the earth travails and groans awaiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation is groaning and waiting for us to be revealed. In other words, the creation itself is waiting for us to be revealed as sons and daughters to know who our God-given right is and to walk in that authority. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you. A couple more minutes and we'll get started. Um, yeah, do you want me to? What do you want me to do? Yeah, I will. All right, so, Beck, can you um, just mute everyone on entry? So we're going to get started now. Just want to just give me a couple of seconds. I want to do something. I'm going to turn the lights off, Beck. But I'm still here, okay? Just want to do something. You there, everyone? Praise God. I'll start again then. Nothing changed. I talk and no one listens anyway, so... <laughs> But we're under this pandemic again, boys. We're in lockdown, so we're all taking it easy, I suppose, for a couple more weeks. And um, But I want you to understand something. When it seems like we're in darkness and we think that we're overcome by the evil one or situations haven't gone our way, you have to understand that I'm in the dark right now. You can barely see me, yeah? But the easiest way to get rid of darkness, guys, is turn the light on. We just turn the light on for darkness. And um, just want to show you something that in the spirit of God, he illuminates our spirit. And the title of my message now is, is um, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. And if we all turned our lights off now, we all be in darkness. But once we turn our light, our phones on, it doesn't take much to get rid of the, light, the dark, does it? If I was to put my hand up, my hand's up right now, what do you see? You see the light shining through my hand and you see blood. 
Yeah? That's Adam. Adam. That's how the glory of man was created. Turn the light on now. Um, the glory of man was created in the garden. And God created Adam and put his glory on him. And he was naked, but he didn't know he was naked. But the minute he sinned, guess what happened? The glory left. And all he could see again was, you can't see it now, but if I put a torch on my hand, you see blood. Adam, Adam. God's blood is light. And Jesus said, he's the light of the world. And that's interesting when Adam sinned, well, the first thing he did was he realized he was naked. And the first thing he did was go and clothe himself with figs. If you read it in the Hebrew, it says he, he armored himself with figs. He, was, he went into protection mechanism. He thought he could protect himself by putting fig leaves on to protect himself. Because when he saw himself, he realized, I'm naked. Because the glory of God had left. You know, you've got to understand something that when God breathed into Adam, the Bible says he breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living soul. And what I want to talk to you about today is not so much the soul realm, but I'll talk to you, man, about the spirit. In um, Psalms, if you want to go to Psalms, if you want to follow me, we've got, we've got sorry, Proverbs. And we'll take our time for this because I really want to ex examine ourselves tonight. Proverbs 20, verse 27. And it talks about the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord or the candle of the Lord, searching all the intimate depths of the heart. You know, Rabbis has been talking about character building for the last three months and talking about um, the iniquity just recently about the, the heart. And here it says that the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. And the Lord searches the innermost depths of the heart. It's interesting to know that man was first spirit, then soul. God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, and he breathed life, the ruh, the breath. Whenever you read the word spirit or breath or wind, it's the same word. But the breath of God breathed into Adam. You know that God breathed into only one man, and God's breath has been going through mankind ever since? So when Adam was... When God blew into Adam, he became a living soul. It's interesting to see that when Jesus rose from the dead after the crucifixion, and he walked into the, into the disciples, what did he do? The Bible says he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. You see, that was the first time since creation that the breath of life came back into man. What I mean by that is when Adam sinned, his nature was corrupted. When Adam rebelled, that life of God was distorted. And now man lives out of the soul realm, out of the knowledge of good and evil. But when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross as Adam. That's why he was born of a virgin and died on the cross as Adam. And that Adam's species died that day at Calvary. And then when he was raised again, he was able to breathe back into the nostrils of Adam and make them the children of God. I love you if you see that typology. But what I really want to talk to you today, that the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. Now, I know there's a lot of people here that know me and have heard this many times, but there's a lot of people that don't know me. But in Titus, and this is something that I, I got a revelation of many years ago. You have to understand something, guys. If we want to walk by the flesh and walk by the soul, in other words, if we want to walk by natural means, and by emotional means, we're never going to see God in the spirit. God has created the soul for fellowship. God has created us as personalities to be with together and to fellowship and to enjoy the things of the earth. It's not to, it's not to push it aside. But the things of the, of, of the soul realm will never sustain us. If the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, only God can light that candle. If he made it, he can light it. That's why he said you must be born again. You'll never see or enter the kingdom of heaven. But in Titus, Paul talks about here, it says in verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4, it says this, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, 
but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, giving them, giving, having been justified by grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is what I want you to understand. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of, by the Holy Spirit. You know, when you regenerate something, what do you do? You bring it back to life. Um, I've got a garden outside that we were growing, uh, you know, mint and parsley and cucumbers and lettuce. And I've got a green thumb there. It's all dead now. It died. And uh, in order for me to regenerate it, I'm going to have to dig it up and I'm going to have to weed it and I'm going to have to fertilize it and I'm going to have to water it and I'm going to bring it back to life. And that's what God did in our spirit when Jesus went to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, he took on the form of Adam and paid for man, Adam, Adam, the blood, the blood man. And he died and he rose again to give us a new life. The Bible says that he regenerated our spirit because God deals with us in the spirit realm. When he dealt with Adam, and Adam walked with God in the cool of the day and, and, and the night, the, under the cloud of the night, the, all creation would look at God and look at Adam and say, wow, the glory of God was upon Adam. The minute, listen to me, the minute Adam sinned, the glory left. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 17. And he prays for the disciples and he says, Lord, uh, Father, and, and I'm going to summarize it because I'm not going to go there. But he says, the work that you've sent me to do, I've completed. And he talks about, Share, give me the glory I had with you before the world began. There's a glory of God. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, the glory of God transfigured him into his rightful place. And we've got to understand that when after the cross of Calvary, God brought down his glory. But the Holy Ghost had to come in to us first and reignite our spirit. Because God wants to deal with the spirit. See, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God will deal with our emotions and God will deal with our flesh. But that's now how God wants to communicate. He wants to communicate in our spirit. That's why it was so important. You know, you can go back to the whole Old Testament. And you'll see prophecy in the Old Testament. You've seen miracles in the Old Testament. You've seen signs and wonders in the Old Testament. You see um, uh, the raising of the dead in the Old Testament. You see provision and angels and all that. You'll see everything in the Old Testament, but there's two things you won't see in, in the Old Testament you'll see after the cross. The Holy Ghost being poured out in our own spirit, residing in our spirit, baptizing us in speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. There's, there's three things, two or three, there's two, but three things that you'll never see in the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was able to come upon people, come through people, envelop people, empower people, but He can never reside in people because of the sin nature. The spirit of man is dead. The candle of the Lord was out. But until Jesus took on the form of man, Adam became a fleshly man. Guess what? He took on the sin of mankind, paid for it, and rose again and gave us his spirit. See, Jesus had his own spirit. Don't get confused. Let me explain something. We are triune people, just like we, we have a triune God. We call it a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, man was made the same way as God. God is spirit. He breathes into our spirit. We became a living soul, and the flesh is our, our, obviously our body. We are three in one as well. Spirit, soul, and body. God is three. We are three. We're one person in three. And when God wants to deal with us, the only way he really wants to get to us, the only way he could change us is from the inside out. It's amazing when he regenerated our spirit, man. We can go from being, like Peter went from being a boastful. He was boasting that he would get a prison for Jesus. Then he denied him. Then God restored him. Now he's hiding from the Jews. And then when he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he stood in front of 3,000 religious Jews and preached a sermon that got 3,000 people saved. And it's interesting to see that when Peter 
no works of righteousness, wasn't how good he was. He actually denied Jesus. God empowered him in the inner man. And he spoke a sermon and 3,000 came to the Lord that day. It wasn't just a, a nice motivational sermon. The Bible says that when he preached to them, they were cut to heart. When they heard the message, their hearts were cut. And they said, what must we do? You know, I, I long for that day when we preached the sermon. Someone says, what do we do? How do I get saved? What do I have to do? Tell me what to do. And that's the true anointed message. You know, I want to touch on something tonight. I can go into Lazarus, the rich man and Lazarus. But we won't go there tonight. I wanted to go in there, but we won't go there tonight. But the rich man and Lazarus, he dies. And the rich man goes to a place called, well, it doesn't say hell, but he was in hell. And the soul was, was gripped by uh, anguish. He says, Father Abraham, dip your fingers up and put it on my tongue. I'm burning here. Go back and tell my brothers. He had all the emotions as a natural person. See, if we understood what we are, you can see me now. I'm in the flesh right now. But if my soul was to leave my body and sit, stand right next to me, guess what? You would see Tony exactly the same, replica, but in soul form. Then if my spirit left my body, you'd see Tony again in spirit form. See, if I was to tell you what's my hand made of, you'd say flesh. But you could break it down. It's flesh and neutrons and protons. and We can break it down under a microscope. And you can, It's not just the flesh, is it? There's so much more to our physical body. So when you break down your soul, it's made out of soul. The spirit is made out of the spirit. Sometimes we get this idea that our spirit is just around here, or our stomach area. But no, our whole body fits like a glove, spirit, soul, and body. That's why we have the spirit of our mind. That's why the Bible talks about the spirit of our mind, renewing the spirit of our mind. It's not just a little bit here. We've got to get out of the Sunday school definition. But what I want to touch on now more importantly, is how do I get empowered to a place in the spirit? Now, a lot of people have got an idea what it means to walk in the spirit or to be led by the spirit or to be empowered by the spirit. The first thing you've got to do is yield to the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know what yield means, it's to surrender or to be under, under control in the sense of not as dictatorship, but as a submission, if, I, uh, if I'm not careful and I drive a fast car and I'm in control and I go oh too fast, I'll crash that car, even though I think I'm in control. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit control me. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. He who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, children of God. But it's understanding that when Rabbis are sharing about iniquity, and this is probably my mandate. This is probably one of the hardest things and yet the most fruitful things that we could do. The more I surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit. See, everyone wants to grow in the Holy Spirit. I want more power. I want more faith. I want more this. I want more. You know what it is? There's no levels in God. That's a Western theology. I go up the corporate ladder and I climb a higher mountain. And I, That's not how God works. It's how much I surrender to God. How much I'm willing to die to self in order for him to live in me. You know what? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. I want to read this out. And I want to, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. If, if you've ever had a question, how do I get empowered by the Holy Spirit? How do I search my heart? How do I be led by the Spirit? I wish there was a book in the Bible, you know, the book of Becky or the book of, of, of Chris or the book of Tony. Because, you know, we've got these other books that lead, show us and lead us and tell us what to do and how to walk our life out. But I wish there was a book of Tony where I could just go to that book and say, you know what, Lord, what do you want me to do step by step? I'll follow that book. But there's no such book. But we have a teacher on the inside of us who guides us into all truth, the Holy Spirit, who's writing the book on our hearts. And he was there from creation. So the Holy Spirit knows what's the perfect plan for my life. He's the only one that knows. Your pastor doesn't know it. I don't know what your purpose and plan is. I can encourage you in your, in your life, your wife, your parents. No one knows the perfect plan, but God does. 
And guess who was there in creation when they had when you were in the mind of Christ or in the mind of God, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the great Holy Ghost is living in us. And in First Corinthians chapter two, I want to read this to you. This is in the New King James, but I want to explain it to you. So I'm going to go very slowly. Someone say Amen. Ah, joking, I can't ease. All right. In verse, in verse 10 it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in mysteries, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages, for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I have not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have the, has it entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? And even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the spirit of whom is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words man's wisdom teaches, but with which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive these things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritually judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged, by no one, for who that, who has known the mind of the Lord that may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. I want to go back to the beginning of that one. It's an interesting one. Paul's saying here that we walk in a wisdom that's not natural. We don't walk according to the natural wisdom of man or the rules of this age or the teachers of this age. We walk in mysteries. They are hidden mysteries. Wisdom which God ordained before the ages, of ages before glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. And if they had known, they would not have crucified Jesus. Could I say it this way to you? Sometimes God would allow you to go through things. And we, he might tell us to do something that doesn't make sense to the natural but it's the wisdom of God in that situation. In the natural sense, people with wisdom in the natural sense might say that's not a good thing to do. But in the spiritual sense, God knows what he's doing. But I love what he says here, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart of a man has imagined how much, what has God prepared for us. God is saying here that you can't know the mind of God by the natural. Like my spirit knows me. I often say, I get excited about the little things God does in my life. You might say, well, that's not a big deal. But to me, it's a big deal because I know me better than you know me. I know me better than you know me. But God, the Spirit of God knows God, and my Spirit knows me. But when the two come together, we get to know the mind of Christ. And as we pray, pray out the mysteries of God, Romans says it this way. Let me find it. Romans talks about, uh, let me find it, let me find it, let me find it. Romans 8.26 says, um, when we pray in tongues, likewise the Spirit, this is uh, Romans 8.26, says, likewise the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we should pray as we ought to, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart, who searches the heart? What did we say earlier? The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, and God searches the heart. Now he says he, he, who, he who searches the heart, the Holy Spirit, knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to his promise. When we pray in tongues, look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 2 says, For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to man, but to God. For no one understands him. However, he speaks 
mysteries. I love that word mystery. I looked up the word mystery. You know what it says? It says a hidden treasure or a hidden secret. Um, in, in, in a biblical sense, it's a hidden message that cannot be revealed naturally. The mysteries of God. And we always look at the mysteries of God. The Bible says, let me show you a mystery. Communion. When we have communion with a, a literal bread and, and wine, there's a mystery behind it. When we get baptized into water, why don't we just go for a swim? No, but when we get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a mystery behind it. There's a hidden treasure behind it. And we always attribute mysteries to mysticism or to religion. True? There's a mystery. There's a secret. It's divine. We don't understand it. And we can make it mystical. But the word mystery is also used in a military sense. In a military sense where um, they would send out uh, orders for the army to go out and attack someone. They wouldn't tell the, the soldiers exactly what the plan is, but the generals and the people in authority knew. But you as a soldier, yep, go to this region and we're going to attack at, at dawn tomorrow. But there was a mystery sent out. And when you found out what the, the secret mission was, the secret was the mystery. And God can give us mysteries for our life. When we pray in tongues, it's not a mystery to God. You're not praying a mystery and God saying, I'm praying in tongues and then I prayed out a mystery. I went, wow, and God's excited. No, no, no. These are hidden in Christ before the foundation of the world. When I pray in tongues, I don't speak to man. I speak to God, for no one understands him. However, I speak in mysteries, in secrets, in treasures. See, sometimes you can pray. And a lot of the time people give up praying in tongues because it gets boring or nothing's happening, or they don't, they don't have goosebumps, or, you know, heaven's not, there's no lightning bolts, there's no angels singing. And sometimes we give up on that area of our life because there's, there's no glory in it. But let me tell you, every time I walk the floor and I confess his word, I'm praying in tongues, guess what I'm doing? I'm praying out the perfect will for my life. In other words, I'm bringing into existence from the heavens and speaking out into the atmosphere, and God's watering the seed of my destiny. And then God will give me revelation. He'll tell me, Tony, this has to die in you. Tony, I want you to do this. And whatever he tells you to do, but you're preaching, you're, you're, praying out the, you're praying the perfect will for your life. And in the meantime, when I surrender to the Holy Ghost, see, I love people that say to me, can you pray in tongues out of a bad motivation? No, you can't. Even if I had bad intentions about praying in tongues, even if I think, you know what, I want to pray in tongues for one hour a day, for six months, so God can show me how to get a new car. I might pray that six months, and trust me, God's not trying to show me how to get a new car. Even if in the natural sense, I think I'm praying tongues an hour a day for 10 years to buy a new house or to get a new business idea. Trust me, even if I think that in the natural, my mind's not fruitful, is it? So no matter if my motives are wrong, I'm praying out the perfect will of God because my mind's not fruitful. Isn't it a good thing that he took away from us the ability to pray what we want to pray? He said, you pray, and your mind's not fruitful. You're not speaking to man, you're speaking to God. And as I pray in the Spirit, he searches out my heart. And it's the greatest thing you can do. Rab's talking about iniquity. And, you know, can I say it this way? There's nothing scarier if, if lack of a better word, to sit in the presence of an almighty God and know that he's going to touch something in your heart that you don't want him to deal with. Think about that for a second. We'll run to God to get a, a miracle. We'll run to God to get a, 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 a mission. Lord, what do you want me to do for you? We'll run to God for many things. But in order to sit with God to say, oh, what's in me that needs to go? That's a hard thing to do. We all think that we've got it all worked out. But as I, lead, as I yield myself to the Holy Spirit, as I allow the Holy Spirit to search my heart, I'm doing two things. See, isn't the Word of God a double-edged sword? The Bible says the Word of God is a double-edged sword, cutting through the, the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. But as I pray in tongues, I'm, I'm edifying myself and I'm dying to myself. 
It's a double-edged sword. How? I may be praying in the spirit, God will reveal something that I need to repent of, something I need to confess, or something that I need to, you know what, bring captive, to bring it down to the, to, so because it keeps exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And it's times where he lifts me up. He gives me a revelation. He, I pray out a mystery and God says, bang. See, in your spirit, in a millisecond, you can work out something that has been hidden in Christ for thousands of years. You can get a revelation from God, just like a computer can download so much information that it'll take you six months to work it out because your spirit is connected to the Father. The Bible says that we've been seated in heavenly places already. I'm a new creation in Christ. And I've been seated in heavenly places. I love what Paul says here. This is one of my favorites. He says, we speak mysteries, but here in, uh, where does it say again, in Romans? It talks about uh, walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. But First Corinthians chapter 14, he says, for he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but unto God. For no one understands him, However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries or secrets hidden in Christ. Isn't that a beautiful thing that the only way, listen to me, the only way you're going to get revelation directly from the Father is when you speak in the spirit. Because then he can download it into your spirit. See, if he downloads it into your mind or into your heart, guess what? We'll distort it. So many guys, and I've done it myself, so I'm not bagging. I can get in the spirit, get a word of knowledge for someone. And I give that word of knowledge. And once I've given it, I feel like it's not enough and I add to it. I don't want to add to it. I don't mean to do it. But now I'm in the flesh and now I'm adding to that word when I could have just said what he wanted me to say. I'll give you an example. There was a, a couple that were in a prophetic ministry and they went to a home church in England and they walked in and the guy answered the door, oh, Welcome. And the minute they saw in the spirit was adultery. They looked at each other and they said, did you see what I see? Yeah. And they walked into this, they sat down. Now this guy was leading 10, I think five or 10 home groups. It was very popular in England at the time. And they sat down and they looked at each other going, I got adultery all over this guy. He was supposed to be the pinup boy for that movement, for that church movement. And what they did was they kept whispering to each other, the two people, and they realized that their mentor who was teaching them in the ministry was sitting with this guy, having a cup of coffee before the meeting, talking to him like nothing's wrong. So these two uh, women at the time were looking at him saying, what's going on here? We saw adultery. Why can't he see it? They started to judge their mentor and started judging the man himself. And they kept looking at each other going, this is not right. All of a sudden, before the meeting started, their mentor stood up looked at the guy and gave him a word, told him he needs to repent. You can't keep going like this. And God's giving you a chance to repent. And he sat down and grabbed his cup of tea and started drinking his tea again. That guy left the meeting and never, they never saw him again. They left that meeting that night and the two women looked around and they went, what happened there? And they asked the Lord and they said, what happened, Lord? And the Lord said to them, you saw it in the spirit, but you judged him in the flesh. You saw adultery on that man, but then you judged him from your soul realm. You started to pick on him in your heart. You already had judged him from an earthly perspective. And you even judged your mentor, but your mentor saw it, but didn't say a word until God told him to speak. And can you see that analogy where they saw it in the spirit, and they went straight into the flesh. They went and saw it in the spirit, and they went straight into the carnal, the soul realm. And we've got to understand something, that we can start off in the spirit and end up in the flesh. We can start worshiping Jesus from a beautiful encounter, then we want to serve him out of the soul, out of our emotions. See, our emotions will never go away. You know, our feelings will never go away. Can I set you free now? You will have trials and, and troubles to the day we die. Our emotions will go up and down, up and down to the day we die. So you can't get rid of them, but you can turn them. How do you turn them? How do you not submit to them? Walk in the spirit. You know, we are 
fleshly creatures. We are soulish creatures. And we want to be satisfied in the soul. And we want to be nurtured in the soul. But unless we empower our spirit, and unless we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us and let it overflow into our soul. Can I say it this way? It's interesting. The Bible says throughout the whole book of Acts, they went, they preached, and they baptized. And they got full of the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in tongues, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And you go through the whole book of Acts, you never see once where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they didn't speak in tongues. So there's a, there's a supernatural event that comes out of a, a natural uh, manifestation. True? Day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit followed them. It would be enough for the Holy Spirit to fall like fire, and they broke out in speaking in tongues in the natural. In the spirit, through the soul. In the spirit, through the soul. It's not from the soul into the spirit. It's not from the flesh into the spirit. It's from the spirit out of the, through the soul. It's very interesting that the gateway, the faith is to open your mouth and speak. It's like saying, I have faith. And James said, show me your faith and I'll show you my works. And people get that whole scripture wrong. He's thinking about, oh, you're going to do works to prove your faith. No, what he's saying was, it's one thing to believe. It's one thing to act on your belief. I can say I have faith, but I never do nothing about it. I have faith in healing, but I never pray for anyone to be healed. I am sick now, but I have faith in healing, but I never confess my healing. You know, oh, I'm a Christian, but I never forgive. Oh, I'm a believer, but I never give. Faith without works is dead. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but I never speak in tongues. What's the point? You know, I wanted to share this analogy where the Hoover Dam, uh, the Hoover Dam is like a, a big dam that catches all these water. And what they did, they made these turbines big turbines that spin. So when they open the, the floodgates, the water rushes, spins these turbines, and it creates electricity for the whole city from rushing water. And a lot of the Christians are like that. The dam is full, the turbines are there, but no one ever opens the floodgates. We never, ever, ever let the water flow to turn the turbine on to generate power. And that's like us in our spirit. You know, our, to be honest, can I say it this way? Getting filled with the Holy Spirit now is like rosary beads back in our old days. I've got the rosary beads. I've got the Holy Ghost, but we do nothing with it. And I want to encourage you, man, honestly. Where the power is is where no one sees. What I mean by that, no one, you get no glory from fasting and praying. You get no glory sitting on your own and meditating on the things of God, spending time with God. There's no glory. No one's going to tick a box and look how good you are. But that's where the power is. He seeks the deep things of your heart. And people say to me all the time, oh, I want to change. How am I going to change? Can you pray for me to change? No. I can pray for you that you can get into the presence of God and he'll change you. Are you willing to open your mouth? You're not willing to pray in the spirit? No. Open the word. Are you willing to confess the word? No. What are you going to do? These are the keys of allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Everybody wants power. Everybody wants the power of God. I don't want the power of God. Because without Jesus, I have no power. You get people with power and authority, and they abuse it. And they forget why they got the power and authority in the first place. But when I understand, see, all the gifts of the Spirit are to edify the church. The apostle, the prophet, the preacher, the teacher, the evangelist is to edify the church, the body of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit are to edify the church. It's to build one another up. It's not to say, look at me. It was never meant to put us on a pedestal and say, look what you have. No, it's meant for me to empower you so your gift can empower me. How much more the Holy Spirit sent to us? Holy Spirit sent to us to change us from the inside out. Just like Adam when he sinned, he looked from the outside in. And God needed to change that. So when Jesus came, he came from the outside to bring the inside out. In other words, the Son of God in the heavenly realm became the Son of Man, Son of the flesh. So the sons of the flesh, or Adam, can become the sons of God, or the children of God. Does that make sense? I pray that makes sense. 
I pray that I just touched a little bit onto how to ignite your spirit, man. We want a quick fix all the time. Proverbs twenty twenty seven: The spirit of the man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost depths of his heart. There's two things that happen when the Holy Ghost comes. Did not say the Bible says the word is, is double-edged sword? Two things happen. Holy Ghost comes, brings the mind of Christ, and he reveals my mind. He brings the heart of God, and he reveals what's in my heart. See, while I've got occupation, the Holy Spirit can't take over. The more I die, the greater he lives. The greater he lives, the more I get transformed into the image of his dear son. And I think we need to understand that God's working in the spirit. And those, and you know, we have to understand something. Can, can I, I, I'll try to say it another way. I remember once, I think I've shared this. I was digging a garden. I was talking about gardens. I'm the worst gardener in the history, but I was digging in a garden and I wasn't thinking about God. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't praying. I was just digging a garden. My kids were young at the time. And as I was pulling the weeds out and digging and putting seeds and doing whatever you have to do, Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, what you do to the soil is, is what I do to your heart when you pray in the Spirit. And I got a revelation that in my heart there is some stuff there that needs to get out. And as I allow him to dig the, the depths of my heart, guess what he's going to bring up? See, he doesn't bring something up to hurt you. He brings something up to heal you. And then what he does, the beauty about that is that's one more target the devil can't touch anymore. There's one more place where the devil cannot entice you anymore. Why? The Holy Ghost has taken that out. It's an amazing thing when the Holy Spirit starts to work in your life. Starts to empower you in your life. What is he doing? He's edifying you. He's building up a structure on the inside that can be fortified so you don't fall into temptation. So the Spirit can be the one riding the horse and not your soul. And I think we have to understand as Christians coming into this, you know, the emotion's not going to get us through. Trust me. What if we can't get together for another five months? What if it's not two weeks, it's five months? What happens to you? What if, it's, what if they say you can get together, but they've got so many, anything could happen. What if they get us back together for two weeks and they shut us down for another two weeks? The devil's trying to break us down, trying to break our soul. But we're not people of the flesh. We are people of the spirit. Hallelujah. We are people born of the spirit of God. And as we understand that I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. I don't walk like Adam. You will truly die if you eat from this tree. When they ate, they didn't die. So he walked by sight and not by faith. But we are people who have to walk by faith and not by sight. But how do I encourage myself? I hear the word. I pray in the spirit. Let the Holy Ghost come inside me. And he let him search my heart. Because the things I think is right, he might say it's not right. And I want to I wanna encourage everyone tonight. Let, you're not trying to get another level in God or another stepping stone in God or another dimension in God. Let me say it this way. You've got to surrender to God. I'm submitted to the call of God on my life. What I think God's called me to do, every day I think to myself, I've missed it. Because I've put myself in the driver's seat instead of the Holy Ghost being in the driver's seat. You know, it's like a racing car driver. There's always two. One driving the car and his, and his mate get navigating the way. Turn left. Watch that tree. Turn right. You know what? The Holy Spirit is driving the car. And we need to be obedient to him. And he'll go, turn left, turn right. Go this way, go that way. Can I encourage you that where you are going today, doesn't matter where you are or what you do, the message doesn't change. The message is still the same. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the mysteries that we pray out when we pray in the spirit, don't think of it like this, I'm praying a mystery and wow, angels are going. No, 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 no. The mysteries are the hidden treasures in Christ. Paul says, what was given to me, I'll give unto you about the last supper, the holy supper. But hang on a second. Paul said, the Lord gave me this instructions about the Last Supper. But hang on a second. Hey, whoa, time out. The Last Supper or the Holy Communion or the Holy Supper was Passover. Peter, James, John, and Matthew, they were all there. They were all there. 
Yet Paul says, I got this from the Lord himself. What did he do? Praise in tongues, and he gives him a mystery about the Lord's Supper. You could argue that Peter, James, and John were at the Last Supper already, but Paul gets a mystery. He says, now, not only you're eating the, the bread and the body of Christ, you eat judgment on yourself if you don't do it worthily. Where did you get that mystery from? The Holy Ghost downloaded the mystery. Paul says it this way. I got the gospel from Jesus himself. Hang on a second. The gospel, he wasn't one of the disciples, yet he spent those times. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. Think about that. Paul, go to Macedonia. Takes about two years to get there. What did he do in the desert? What did he do on the boat? What did he do on the camel? Praying in the spirit. And when he lay his head down, guess what? God would download revelation upon revelation. If it was good enough for Paul, how much more us? And we'll get a direction for our life. And we'll get an understanding. If you want to know what the blockage in your life is, whatever your blockage is, whatever your stronghold is, whatever you think is stopping you from going forward, what is it that one thing? Pray in the Spirit and watch God reveal it to you. There's two things will happen. He will show you and get you to cut it off, or he just remember himself. That's the beauty about our Lord. That when I pray in the Spirit, and I, I allow my spirit to be touched by his spirit, guess what he's going to do? He's going to empower me, enlighten me, edify me, and change me from the inside out. I'll, have, I'll come out with a renewed mind, spirit and mind. I pray you get a hold of that, that your mind is not fruitful. But if I let myself turn over to the Holy Ghost, guess what will happen? He's got full control of my life. Don't do it for the sake of, I'll better pray in tongues for the sake of praying in tongues. No, no, no. You know what you do? You say, Lord, my, I'm submitting my mind, my heart, and my spirit to you. Have your way. And when you do that, and you're consistent with that, guess what the Lord will do? He'll empower you. And the empowerment isn't to get more knowledge, more revelation. He changes you from the inside out. So I want to encourage you tonight. If you want your light to shine, the Bible talks about light all the time. The spirit of the man, my spirit, is the candle of the Lord. And when you understand that only the Lord can light it up, and light shines into darkness. He searches the deep things of our heart. And in the, like I said to you earlier, I know me better than you know me. So when God does something in my life, I get excited. It might not be big to you, but it's big to me because I know me. I know where my failures are. I know where my struggles are. The Holy Ghost gets in deep. And I, honestly, for 19 years, let me encourage you here. It's, it's boring. It's not fun. You're going to get no... I'll, I swear to God, half the time when you're praying in the spirit, guess what you're doing? You're getting tired. The flesh hates it. No angels are singing. No learning boss. But let me tell you what God's doing. You're yielding yourself over him. He becomes your personal teacher. And the beauty about God, I can guarantee you this, guys. When he touches on something in your heart, he helps you through it. He comforts you through it. He empowers you through it. Don't stop the process. Too many people get to the first step and then they back off. This is too hard. Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, this Nothing's happening. Don't stop. Don't stop the work of the Spirit. Because you, if, you, if you just understand, listen, do we, do we walk by faith and not by sight? Nod your head if you agree. We walk by faith and not by sight, Yeah. So if I know by faith, if I pray in the Spirit, my mind's not fruitful, but the Spirit prays. It's by faith, isn't it? So if it's by faith, I do it according to His calling on my life, by faith. I give by faith. I pray by faith. I serve by faith. I'm saved by faith. It's all by faith. Let's not change it. But as I give myself over to the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? As I give myself over to the Holy Spirit, I yield myself. I surrender myself. He's my personal teacher, even if my mind's not fruitful. We want to understand too much what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life. And sometimes he doesn't tell us because we'll abort the mission. 
Imagine if he told Peter and James and John exactly what they were going to go through. He did hint to Peter that he will suffer for me. But imagine if he said, all right, Matthew, you're going to get skinned alive. Thomas, you're going to get speared and they're going to tie you to four different horses and they're going to disembalm your body. Paul, you're going to be gutted or you're going to be hung. Peter, you're going to be crucified. I'm sorry. Listen to me. Where we end up is not our responsibility. If we join up to one army, we get told what to do. We're in the army of God now. But God will not send us to war unless we're edified. The Israelites couldn't go into the promised land straight away because they said, at least they see war. They weren't ready for war. They were broken people in slavery for 400 years. They weren't ready for war. And the Holy Ghost is not going to send you to war. But what do you do? We're already in a fight. He wants to empower us in the spirit, man. He wants us to give us the, the uh, what's the word? Um, he wants to edify our inner man. So we don't believe in false doctrine. So we don't believe in, 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 in the carnal situation. We don't fall for the, the offense and the unforgiveness. We don't, we don't go by natural means. We don't go by what we see. We don't go by our emotions. We don't go by what we like. We go by faith according to the will of the Father. And as we walk by faith, listen to me, listen to me. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Faith is trust. I might have the faith. I love the, the, the prayer. Do you believe I can heal your son? I do believe. Help my unbelief. Yeah, otherwise he was saying, I believe you can do anything. I just need to know that it's going to happen. I'm not sure if I can believe, but help my unbelief. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we, as we allow the Holy Ghost to come into us, let me, re, let me ignite you again, okay? The Bible says, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. What, do I leak? <laughs> is it, is it, uh, I'm leaking? No. But the more I give myself over to the Holy Ghost, the more he empowers me with his presence. The more I'm full of him, not full of, you know, I won't say that. I, want to be, I don't want to be full of myself. I want to be full of him. I want to overflow him. Out of, out of me will come the overflow into the soul realm. So I think, I think like him. And every imagination that's against the knowledge of God, the minute the devil says, you're sick, you won't be healed, you pull it down straight away. Don't even entertain it. Why? You bring it into captivities against the knowledge of Christ. Because Christ healed me on that cross. And praying in the spirit will ignite your soul. How? He ignites your spirit, man, and it overflows into your soul. So you start to see the spirit is in control. There's two people fighting to ride the horse. There's two people fighting to drive the car. There's two people fighting to be in control. Your soul and your flesh want to take over what the spirit. But he's ignited you. You're, you're, you're a spiritual being with a soul that lives in a body. So I pray that that makes a bit of sense to you tonight. And I pray that sometimes that we are swayed by our emotion. And our emotions are real. And they're strong. But we are walked by faith, not by sight. So every time you sit in that closet and you pray, pray in the car, pray whatever, open your mouth and know that the Holy Ghost is bringing the perfect plan to your life. If he was there from creation and he was there where when the map was put out about my life and your life, and he knows all things. And if he knows all things and he's willing to pray through me to obtain those things, why wouldn't you pray? Would you go to someone now in the natural and say, that guy's got an awesome faith, let him pray for me. You'd run to him. Well, how much more the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Truth. So I bless you with that. Thank you so much for being on tonight. Keep your heads up. And let's know that uh, God's in still on the throne. No matter what happens out in the natural, we know that in the spirit, God's doing a work. But I want to encourage you in this time, this quiet time, don't, don't fall away. Don't pull back. Time to grow in the things of God. Time to grow. When it was, things were taken off the disciples, you see them empowered even more. Paul says, I'm content in all of these. Whether I had money or didn't have money, whether I was in chains or wasn't in chains, whether I was shipwrecked or beaten, it didn't matter. I'm content in all things because Christ is my hope. And our living hope is in Christ. So I want to encourage you over that today. Uh, 
bless you guys. I want to, all the guys listening on Facebook and on YouTube, if you have any questions, send them to us. If not, just trust God. Trust God in this situation. Paul trusted God in every situation. The outcome is not the way you want it to be. But let me tell you, the fruit of it will come. God is, hasn't left us as an orphan. God loves us. And I love, and I'll finish off with this. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. Nor has it entered in the hearts of a man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And God has revealed these to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, even the deep things of God. And I want you to leave you with that. You don't know how great his love is for us. And one of the things that Jude says, and I'll finish off, oh, let me finish it off for 10 minutes. You, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Keep it by praying in the Holy Ghost and keeping in the love of God. And I, you know how I read that? The more I pray in the Spirit, the love of God is poured in my heart. Because everything comes from the love of God. I have a sound mind and power because love. God never gave me a spirit of fear, but love. There it goes again, love. The greatest of these things is love. Love of the truth, like Reb said. You know what? He's love. But the agape love of God, the Father's love for you, we poured out. How? Through the Spirit. If you understand one thing, understand this. It all comes through the Spirit. And how blessed are we that we have a revelation that the baptism of the Holy Ghost isn't just a form of denomination called Pentecost. <laughs> That's the beginning. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is an open door for God to reside and abide in our spirit. That's a promise of the Father that I and my Father will come and will live with you. And I'll show you all things, even the deep things of God. And the Holy Spirit will teach you things from me. So that's a promise from the Father. And I bless you guys. I could go all night. But I want to say to you that we're no longer children of Adam. We are children of God. We are born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Let's live like people from the Spirit. So I thank you guys. And I pray for you guys. I'll close off in prayer for the guys on YouTube. And I pray that if you have a question of any sort, no question silly. We love to be we don't know all the answers, but we can help you in your Christian walk, help you in your faith walk. And we're not building a kingdom for us. We're not building a ministry for us. We're building the kingdom of God. We want to build people. So, Father, I pray right now that rivers of living water, to everyone on the sound of my voice, would get filled with the mighty Holy Ghost, that you would come in like a rushing wind and fill their hearts with rivers of living water, overflow to them from their belly that you would empower them by the mighty Holy Spirit, that they'll have an anointing on their life, but they would taste and see that the Lord is good. And Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that made this possible. Lord, we stand before you as children, and we thank you for what you have done. We thank you, Father. I pray for anyone who's got sickness in their body, that you would touch them right now. I pray for the people that want to receive the Holy Ghost, Father, that they would receive by faith and drink of you, a drink of a well that never runs dry. And I thank you, Father. You don't have to let man to lay hands on them. You touch them right there in their room. Lord, fill their rooms with the anointing, the glory. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that you would lift them up. Lift up their spirit that will overcome the soul and the flesh, Father. I thank you that there were, we are willing vessels, yielding to the Spirit of God. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. Breathe upon us again in this time and situation, Lord. If there's any fear, we rebuke the spirit of fear. For perfect love casts out all fear. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, as you are, you are our teacher. We thank you, Lord, that you do guide us into all righteousness. That the fruit of, of your, our faith walking to the, the truth of God's word. And I lift up everybody in the sound of my voice. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, just ask him from the bottom of your heart. Repent of your sins and make him the Lord of your life. 
asking to come in and wash you with his blood. But Jesus has done his part. You need to do yours. You need to bow your knee to the Lordship of Jesus and receive him as your Lord and Savior. There's no other way unto heaven. There's no other name you can call on to be saved. I thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you Thursday. Rabs will be sharing on Thursday. We do this for the next couple of weeks, guys. So uh, stay tuned. God bless.